0: From the dark web to your radio dial, you are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News twelve hundred WOAI.
1: Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host Brett Pyatt, a twenty year internet security veteran. And this week, we're going to be talking cryptocurrencies. Uh, this is uh, episode number 97. We're sneaking up on episode 100. Uh, we're going to have a special guest on for that episode, so stay tuned on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com uh, to hear more about that future one. You can uh, catch all of our, our past episodes where we, uh, we've we mentioned Bitcoin, we've mentioned cryptocurrencies a number of times uh, related to things like ransomware, uh, where that's usually the first time uh, most people find out what one is uh, at least uh, back a few years ago now it's on the news now you can go to yahoo finance and you can put in btc and it'll give you the current bitcoin tracking chart so it's kind of gone from uh, this uh, esoteric thing a few years ago to uh, fairly mainstream here uh, but i still believe that most folks don't really um understand all of the the different pieces of it and uh I'm really pleased to be joined by an expert in uh, all of these things this week, uh, Alex Eaton, uh, educator, uh, former uh, Army sergeant, correct, Alex? Correct. Yeah, I was a medic in the Army. Medic in the Army. And uh, you've gone from there to uh, cryptocurrency, so... uh, one of the things you're working on is to really helping folks understand this. We were talking about some fun things uh, where you've uh, run other like resale markets or things uh, <laughs> before we got on the air here to encourage people to buy in Bitcoin. So he would offer things for one price in dollars and then half the price in Bitcoin to encourage them to, to go learn about how all these different pieces work. So if you'll uh, stay on the air with us here, you'll be able to hear from Alex. Um, how do you get some Bitcoin, where do you buy it, what's an exchange, what are all the different pieces of that, Uh, and you can learn about this. If you're not going to be able to stay with us on the air for the whole program here, This will go up on our website, our YouTube channel, and everything else uh, for rebroadcast on Tuesday, August the 7th. So you can uh, check out www.cybertalkradio.com, or YouTube channel. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. You'll see uh, the information for this. Or if you uh, prefer to listen to podcasts via your favorite podcasting service, if we are not on that podcast service, uh, tweet at us. We will get you a CyberTalk Radio T-shirt if you found a podcast service you use that we are are not distributing the content on yet. So, Alex... uh, Army Sergeant to Bitcoin and blockchain expert. So walk me through, how do we get from point A to point B? <laughs> um, I won't take too much time onto it. Um, you know, I, d- I did a video about
0: a week ago talking about my experience in the Army. It was not something I generally wanted to do. I think most people think that everyone that joins the Army does it for the right reasons. And I'm a big believer in telling the truth and saying, no, I was in a, a hard spot in my life. I was 21, still didn't know what the hell to do with my life. Um, so I, I made a decision just to go into I try, try medicine, right? I mean, if they're going to educate you and at the end of it, you get a, a college, you know, degree for free. It just seemed like a good call for me. So from the age of 21 to 27, um, you know, army medic and then got sergeant and they changed the way that you uh, earn promotions Uh, when I was about to go up a rank. So all of a sudden it was like two more years till I was going to go up and I was like, Oh, I got to get out because I'm very much like I need to grow constantly. And so uh, the army's a real slow, slow grower. Um, Plus, I realized you can't change anything in the military in the military. And I'm a big, big advocate of change. So left, uh, went to uh, college full-time for business, and I'd say about three months into my business degree, I heard about cryptocurrency on the news, and the news said that uh, it was bad, it didn't work, it was a scam. This was right after Mt. Gox fell, which was the very first uh, global exchange, and you know, it, it, the price of Bitcoin went from like $800 to $200 uh, back in 2014. Uh, So when I heard about it, it was all bad, but I went home and I Googled it and I researched it and I realized that everything that they said on the news was uh, bold faced a lie. So that made me want to learn even more. So then I started testing it and started, you know, playing around, downloading a wallet, sending money, realizing, you know, this is nothing more than a tool. And it does work, Um, you know, exchanges and bad CEOs and bad players and manipulators and all these other things are always going to be prevalent in any You know situation Um, and that's that is what we see today is, you know, a majority of scammers are in this space just like they were um, in the Internet, you know, when that was very, very new. Um, So as much as it sounds crazy, if you're in a space where a lot of scammers are, you're probably in a very good space. So my goal was to basically over the last couple years create education and Dispel a lot of the misinformation and more than anything just create a portal So, you know, it all started with a Facebook page called the San Antonio crypto network four years ago um, Where basically we taught every day we'd push, you know information that was true um, And that turned into a consultorary. Is that the right word for it? I always call it a consultorary, but a consultancy um, where people could call my phone number and set up a one-on-one, they could come to the house. I'm a big advocate of inviting people over to my house because I want them to know where I live because I want them to trust me. So when they leave, you know, I'm like, you know, where I live, right? And yeah. that's really important to me um, because it means you can walk away knowing that you have a little bit. That of, you're not one of the scam artists, right, somewhere right? In right? Right? The, the Who would crypto- let you in their house? Industry? You know, yeah. teach you everything in this. You know, so um and i you know not to exaggerate but i can honestly say over the past four and a half five years i've educated at least two thousand people individually uh one-on-one so that's huge and i've been really lucky um to keep moving into the space because my students will come back with their ideas and you know so hey let's do a radio show alex okay I'll, I'll be your crypto you know insider on that or let's make a tv channel like okay i'll help you with that um you know let's make an educational uh, box so we you know we made a company called bitcoin beginner box um, which again was just pure education in a box that you can buy and it would come to your house and we wrote a, a like a little 40 page book again really trying to keep it basic um, you can go into advanced stuff all day but you know I focused on this nonstop for a good year uh, before I felt like I could teach anybody you know and so to to jump into this thinking oh i'm going to double my money or i'm going to make a lot of money because that's the majority of what people think cryptocurrency is and that's all it is it's like just an investment uh vehicle and it is but it is so much more than that so you know what i wanted to talk about today was how to to start how to keep yourself safe um how to keep yourself safe how to keep yourself safe is really really important to me yeah Um, but then also what's the difference between you know bitcoin and these other 1700 cryptocurrencies that exist because there's so much more than bitcoin Um, And then what is a blockchain? What is the tool that these cryptocurrencies are actually, what are they, you know, and and how do they, how do they run, how do they work? Um, And so my whole thing has been really kind of breaking it down for layman's uh, because that's what I am. I'm I'm just a layman. I'm not, I wasn't a developer. I didn't come from tech. Um, I'm still not a developer. I'm just an advocate for this space. I believe in the tech. Uh, One of the things I love so much about it is that you can... Get your developer friends and your tech friends to actually look at the code of Bitcoin and blockchains and other things, and you can get an actual developer to take a look at it and say, "Hey, is this good? Is this bad? Is this malicious? Is there? Is it a scam?" Right? And any developer that you know is basic in any way will go, "Oh no, this is this is pure code." And that's one of the really important things about most of these is that they are open source. Um, you can check out the code of even Bitcoin, you know, on GitHub. You can look at almost any single uh, company or. or platform in this space and you most of them i'd say 90 percent, are open source which is just phenomenal for not for people like me that can't read code but for people like me that have developer friends and we can say is this is this good code right and that's with the internet you know we we just assume that it's good you know we we log in every day and we use it and everything's perfect but is it (laughs) you know like we don't we don't really know we just assume um and there's a lot of assumptions in cryptocurrency so that's my goal is to uh to hopefully answer some questions that have been on people's minds.
1: Yeah, so let's let, uh, dig in, I think, to uh, the root, and we're going to do a little bit of a vo- vocabulary lesson here for, y- for you over the radio. Love it. Uh, and, yeah, if you, we'll, we'll have a blog post up about this afterwards as well that will kind of go through and provide a glossary in there because there's a good number of terms, but I think we can relate most of these terms back to uh, different things that are constructs in other areas. So, like, if, if we start off with... Blockchain. So is blockchain a cryptocurrency? is like what is the difference between blockchain and cryptocurrency? So blockchain is the the tool that all cryptocurrencies use. Um, so you
0: don't have to have a cryptocurrency to have a blockchain. Do you have to have a blockchain to have a cryptocurrency? The answer is is yes. Um, you have a lot of scam cryptocurrencies that don't have blockchains. You have companies you know putting the word blockchain in their name just because they want their you know their stock price to go up because it's a hot. Hot name, but what is a blockchain? Basically, it's very simple. It's just a, um, and I'll you know talk. Are you about talking both. about
1: Long Island blockchain? No. Did you hear about this I one? <clears throat> yes, yeah, so that's for those of the radio that are, have not heard this. So this was a, an iced tea manufacturing company on Long Island. They make iced tea. They don't do anything with blockchain, but they changed <laughs> their. They were going to get delisted from the stock market, is my understanding of the situation, and they just changed their company name to Long Island Blockchain, and their stock spiked, and then they were able to avoid the whole delisting problem. Yeah, yeah, because
0: all of a sudden it's it's a hot ticket item, but. No, so my biggest thing is always do your research whenever you
1: make any investments.
0: But let's, so to, to what is a blockchain? Yeah, neither of us are registered <laughs> investment
1: advisors. And if you correct, invest correct. based off of any advice we give you, we wish you luck. Yeah,
0: don't, don't sue us because we didn't say it.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs>
0: no, a blockchain is nothing more than a ledger. Uh, which is nothing more than just a series of notes. Basically uh, transactions, you know This wallet goes to this wallet in this much so banks use ledgers companies use ledgers Everyone uses ledgers if when we you if do we your... know how to
1: balance our checkbook We've yeah, got a ledger yeah.
0: everybody. I mean, that's what a checkbook is really is a ledger, right? So it's a distributed ledger meaning it's distributed over hundreds of thousands of different computers and also miners, um, which is how blockchains run for Bitcoin, I'll yeah. go deeper into that later, I'm sure. Um, but no, so it's just a distributed ledger that makes sure that every single ledger, I know you can I love whiteboards, so I'm gonna be talking like while i'm right yeah he's talking with his hands <laughs> I'm like, which you yeah you can't yeah, really, see yeah, yeah. on the radio
1: but they are very good
0: so anybody can download the bitcoin blockchain it is about 50 gigabytes of data right now so you know if you don't have a yeah. newer computer with a lot of space you know don't try it's because it, it grows exponentially that's every
1: well. transaction that's ever gone across In bitcoin. the past 10 years and then so because that every, a whole bunch of people have a copy of this makes it Tamper proof. Correct. Yeah. So, like, if you just had your own checkbook and you only had one copy of it, you could lie to yourself. You could, like, erase that and be like, I didn't really spend that $500. But if you spent a a Bitcoin across the Bitcoin ledger, you can't go back later and hide that from somebody or change it or anything else because a whole bunch of other folks will have proof that says, everyone else has proof that says, hey, this wallet sent one bitcoin to this other wallet on that date, on that at this time. Correct. And you know, so let's talk a little bit more
0: about that. Um when you send a transaction, it is not technically in any way accrued to you, meaning it's just a series of letters and numbers in the form of a public key, which is very much I always use PayPal address as an example of a public key. Um, when somebody says, what's your public key? Well, that's your that's your Bitcoin PayPal address, right? That's yeah. how you get sent money. Yeah.
1: Or like your, your bank account number. Correct. You, yeah.
0: Yeah. So so when you go to you can actually go to Bitcoin blockchain and you can look up any transaction that's ever happened over the last 10 years and it will show uh, one wallet. And, and one wallet and the amount so it's really interesting that it's decentralized it's distributed um, but it's also not connected to you so a lot of technology over the last couple of years has been to um, make it to where we know whose wallet is whose and coinbase.com which is to, the number one place for most people in the US to buy Bitcoin um, they're one of the oldest companies, one of the most trusted companies. They've had a couple spills here and there, but, but you know, overall, I always say Coinbase, if it didn't exist, we wouldn't be where we are. yeah. Uh, Cause it just makes it so easy to get in and get out. You can buy and sell 24 seven, which is really, really nice. Cause if you want to get in, you don't have to start with one Bitcoin. You can start with $5 worth of Bitcoin yeah. or you can buy point zero 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 one Bitcoin.
1: Again, Coin, Coinbase is at least as safe as the banks were back in the uh, old west when Jesse James was around. So,
0: so yeah, I, did Notice how I didn't use the word
1: safe with it um, yeah
0: so I do need to go into this there are two different types of wallets um, in this space and yes yeah, so if you ha- think
1: about paper money so we'll, we'll jump in a little bit from yes, blockchain yeah. to Bitcoin specifically so Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency built on top of the blockchain so you've got this way that you you mine it and and create more bitcoins. And there's a system around that. But we'll, we'll maybe get into some of the more nerdy details of that in the second half of the program. But Cheers. we'll keep working through the, the base constructs. So say now I've got some Bitcoins and I've got a wallet. So just like I have paper money, mm-hmm. I could put that paper money in a bank. I could put it in, in, I could, in a big shared pool. Mm-hmm. I could put it into a safe deposit box, which is stored somewhere else and not on me. Or I could keep it in <laughs> my own pocket. Like mm-hmm. So I've got paper money. I could do those things with it. Can I do all those same sort of different things yes, with my Bitcoin wallet? Absolutely. Okay, and so it's,
0: it's funny because each one you're, you're making me think of a certain type of wallet. So like yeah. uh, a pool, you said, can I put it in a pool? That's an exchange. An exchange is not a necessarily in any way a safe place to store your Bitcoin because it is a pool of money. That exchange actually owns and has access to the coins that you keep in it. Uh, so you have, you know, your wallet, your cold storage or what we call a paper wallet, and that is where You have your Bitcoin on a wallet that is not connected to the internet hence the word cold, right? Uh, A hot wallet is a phone wallet a computer wallet We call it hot because it's connected to the internet and then lastly you have a hardware wallet Which is a mix of cold and hot because it's only connected to the internet when you stick it the USB into the computer It's basically a small little device They start at like $80 and go up to $120 and that is for people that you know are really into this that have probably at least you know, several thousand dollars worth of cryptocurrency that just want that extra added security. So hardware wallets, uh, Trezor.com and uh, Ledger.com are the the two best hardware wallets. But in general, the average person uses a hot wallet, which again is on your phone or on your computer. Um, And these these. Oh, so there's one last one that I wanted to go back to is Coinbase. And so I said there's three types of wallets, cold, hot and, you know, cold, hot or hardware. Right. Yeah. You have two different types of wallets, which is custodial and non-custodial. And this is so important. Um, An exchange, coinbase.com, these are custodial wallets, meaning they actually hold your private key. Your private key is the key to your safe. It is the thing that you shouldn't give to anyone ever. So as opposed to Coinbase and exchanges, where you put your Bitcoin in and they hold it, and they'll give you like a username and password, and that's how you log in. Imagine for a minute that their servers get overwhelmed or their company goes down or, you know, just they get an influx or, you know, whatever happens, your money, you don't have access to uh, via an exchange or Coinbase if their service goes down. And this has happened so many times. No, God, no. You're just kind of.
1: So there is no FDIC deposit insurance None. on no. cryptocurrency banks right now? No. no. In okay. fact,
0: Coinbase has been working very hard to get that so that they actually are insured by the same FDIC that banks are. Um, I don't know if they that is secured yeah, yet. I don't yeah, I don't think but it's I there that's, yet. That's, that's their Lots goal. of folks
1: are talking about it. Yeah, that's their they, goal. They're, they're trying to head that route. So until
0: that happens, I always recommend using a non-custodial wallet, which yeah, well, look at
1: Like putting your money in the bank back in the, the early 1800s and if somebody came in and robbed the bank and took your Dollars out of the bank, that bank would, you show up the next day and they go, we got robbed yesterday. I don't have any money in the vault to give you.
0: Yeah, or if there's like a bank run, right? Yeah. And so
1: again, so... Yeah, fractional reserve lending at its finest. The <laughs> yeah. bank doesn't actually have all of the money that it's been deposited. They've loaned it out to other people. So if all of us as depositors at a bank went in and all asked for our money at the same time, the bank can't actually give us all of our money. They could give us some of our money, and then the bank could give us some debt. They're like, "Hey, by the way, we loaned some money, um, some of your money to a, like an a well, yeah, we we loaned some of your money to a doctor's office to buy some medical equipment. So here's your piece of that medical equipment loan, and like, yeah, the rest of this. But they wouldn't actually be able to give you dollar for dollar back all of your money if everyone went to a bank and asked for their deposits out. So Maybe similar thing. I don't know if they're doing fractional reserve anything in the crypto banks or not. Like like the crypto exchanges, not really clear right now. I have now. to assume. you have, just have to assume. I have to assume yeah. um,
0: that... You know, I can't confirm or deny. I don't want to put out you know crazy information. But yeah, yeah. I, I have to assume that Coinbase, you know, having as much of people's money as they do, it would be insanely possible for them to do that. And I never read the fine print when yeah. I and, signed up for Coinbase, so I don't necessi- really know, you know. And
1: even not necessarily on purpose, because they just may have money in transit. Because yeah. um, like Bitcoin, it it's not um, like you're, you're... If you go use a credit card, you can swipe your credit card and everyone's really annoyed when it takes 12 seconds now for the chip <laughs> to finish. Right. When you swipe your... Bitcoin, if you had a Bitcoin card, it's is it about 45 minutes now for the ledger to update? No, no, no. How quick no. is that happening? Um, so the way that Bitcoin,
0: specifically Bitcoin, yeah. and when we talk about any it's, currency, It's one it example
1: cryptocurrency. It's the number one example. Bitcoin's yeah. uh, blockchain is a
0: 10 minute per block chain, which okay. means that every 10 minutes, um, a block is found. And those blocks have all the information. Going back to blockchain, what is yeah. a blockchain, right? So let's say you have 10 minutes and every transaction... Globally that goes into that 10 minutes gets stuck into this block which then gets immortalized in the Bitcoin blockchain um, So generally it takes we call that a confirmation is Yeah when a block is found so when you send Bitcoin it takes 10 minutes for one block to be found It used to be uh, six confirmations, but okay. things have gotten a lot tighter a lot better So now we're looking at generally anywhere between zero and and that is when you're sending like Coinbase to Coinbase. They don't need to do any confirmations because they know where it's coming from and they know where it's going to because, again, it's basically a bank and they're yeah. just sending money from one wallet yeah, that they own to another It's effectively an
1: intra-bank transfer instead so. of an inter bank transfer. Very much yeah, so. 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 zero
0: seconds. It can be instant. Um, then you have one confirmation which should be 10 minutes. Sometimes uh, when you're sending Bitcoin from your wallet to an exchange, it might take two confirmations. That's 20 minutes. Um, but it, I'm not going to say it's going to get any faster than that because that is the speed of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is 10 minutes per block. But um, when you look at other coins like Litecoin, Litecoin is just the same as Bitcoin for, except for two things. There are four times as many coins and there are, and it is four times faster. So every block is two and a half minutes. So when you send Litecoin and it takes three confirmations, that's seven Seven and a half half minutes. minutes. Right. So that's why a lot of these other cryptocurrencies are starting to be created and, and people use them because although Bitcoin works and you might want a faster, you know, currency. Simply that, right? So Litecoin is just like Bitcoin in that it's meant to be a currency. It's meant to be a store of value, but it's faster, but there's four times as many. So it's obviously there shouldn't be the same price because there's more uh, tokens. The last thing about every currency is how it is created. And so Bitcoin uses proof of work mining, which is basically computers that are set Uh, to mine cryptocurrency. And in the past, you could, you know, turn on your laptop and actually mine a pretty solid amount of Bitcoin every day back in 2010 to 2013. Now they use these things called ASICs or advanced specific integrated circuits, which are literally nothing more than computers that look crazy uh, (laughs) because they're just like circuit boards that have been tailored to do nothing more than mine Bitcoin. So all you have to do is, you know, buy them, stick them in your home, Put an Ethernet cable on it, stick it to some power, turn it on. In less than three minutes, you can be, you know, mining cryptocurrencies.
1: And, and you can watch your power bill go up.
0: And watch your power go up quite a bit. Yeah, no, I yeah. Uh, my power Please don't do good. it
1: during peak hours in San Antonio here in the summer uh, when everyone's trying to run their air conditioners.
0: Yeah, I'm spending a good $700 a month on electricity in yeah. a, just a regular three-bedroom house just because that's about $500 in mining
1: charges. Yeah.
0: Um, but no, no, so... So that mining is what really makes the system work. And I always say it's kind of crazy. Most people don't know that we actually have miners and satellites up in space, but that was based on the idea that people got worried. Well, what if there was a global EMP? And my response has always been, well, if there's a global EMP, we have a lot bigger problems than Bitcoin going down. Um, But technically speaking, as long as you have a few miners and by a few I mean literally just you know two miners around the world then the Bitcoin blockchain will continue to run albeit slowly because currently we have hundreds of millions of Bitcoin miners around the world um, and so that's really what makes the whole system work is these these computers just constantly running the numbers uh, sending these blocks immortalizing these blocks and that's something that I left out um, not all blockchains immortalized data but bitcoins does so what do i mean by that once that 10 minutes passes and all those transactions are stuck into that 10 minute block and then it goes into the blockchain no human intervention can ever edit or pivot or change those numbers so it's immortalized data which is really important and also when maybe we get into other you know coins and tokens that's where the utility of this Technology this tool that is blockchain becomes really really special and important is that immortalization of data that you know can't be edited by a human being so when you start looking at finances and you think of like one bad entity one bad person being able to edit something no longer can human beings mess that up and that's I think the biggest thing that blockchain will bring to the world is. Basically, that is is making sure that humans don't have the ability to manipulate things in a negative or malicious way for their own gain.
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, some other use cases we're, we're seeing out there is the the deed history on a piece of property. So uh, this is something where there should always be a clear chain of ownership. Like if I own a house right now, you can look that up on bcad.org. You can look and see who the f- couple of the previous owners were there. But if you try to go all the way back to that piece of property for the whole 300 years of San Antonio as a city... Um, good luck. Yeah. Good yeah luck. So, I mean, as as property um, moves forward into the next century, hopefully we can get better, more consistent, faster, easier, cleaner uh, records for keeping all this stuff because, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking a little bit before we went on air as well, but. In the U.S., property rights are pretty clean, pretty clear, pretty well documented. Other places, they're not nearly as well documented, and you end up in a spot where uh, Bob, who's malicious, um, Alice and Bob, these are in the the crypto and security world. Alice and Bob get picked on all the time, so (laughs) Bob is malicious, and uh, Bob sold this piece of property to Alice and Charlie, and um, now Alice and Charlie both show up, and they start trying to build a farm. And Alice says I own it, and uh, then Charlie says no. Here's here's my deed that that Bob sold me, and and I own it. And they're arguing with each other over it, and Bob's gone with both of their money at that point in time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, we we get some things to where both Alice and Charlie uh, to validate uh, that they're going to be the one person buying that piece of property when they give the money to Bob, um, and that they've got a clear record of ownership at that point, And then that way, the second person would not get duped. Yeah, it's really interesting. That can be a
0: And so one last thing about blockchains is when you look outside of just Bitcoin, there's two types of blockchains, private and public. And depending on what the platform or company wants for whatever they're trying to build they could go public or, or private so you might actually have a company like uh, ubiquity or bitland which actually are the ones that do that that land deed property blockchain sort of stuff yeah um they have a decision do we want it to be public or do we want to make a business out of it and make it private so that's where the tokenization and creating a new cryptocurrency comes in because then you use you know a ubiquity coin to basically access that private blockchain
1: So you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is CyberTalk Radio, and I'm joined by Alex Eaton, a Bitcoin and blockchain and cryptocurrency expert. We will be coming back uh, after the bottom of the hour break here for a news, traffic, and weather update uh, to talk some more about tokens, uh, more about how you can get educated on all of this. And uh, we will be right back. welcome back to cyber talk radio i'm your host brett piatt a 20-year internet security veteran this week we're talking cryptocurrencies blockchains which is the kind of technology that they're built on that's uh, enabled them to uh, pop up proliferate alex uh, eaton is uh, our guest this week and he's uh, an expert in all these things at least more so than the radio host here and likely more than many of you out in the audience uh, So, uh, we've been walking through the first half of the program, some of the vocabulary explain the difference between a blockchain and a cryptocurrency. If you uh, just joined us here after that news traffic and weather update, uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this and uh, hear everything Alex had to say on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, August 7th. Uh, it'll also be up on iTunes, podcasts, pocket casts, or any other podcasting service out there. If you, uh, have one that you use, uh, that we are not distributing our content on, uh, Reach us on Twitter or Facebook at CyberTalk Radio. Let us know, and we will send you a CyberTalk Radio T-shirt for discovering a new podcast service where we have not yet distributed our content out. So, Alex, uh, you'd mentioned uh, before we we jumped into the break. I think I heard you say seventeen hundred cryptocurrencies out there now, roughly, give or take. Give so, or take. So there's like this coin market cap website that mm-hmm. kind of keeps the here's like how much all the bitcoins are worth, and here's how much. So, like I could go on there and I could look up a whole bunch of these things, right?
0: I spend twenty. Four, 7 on coin market cap. Yeah. I have not taken that website off my computer in like the last three years. It's coin dot com is I want to call it unbiased uh, because all they do is they have every single token or coin that is marketed, not marketed, that is bought and sold. So if it's on an exchange, it's on coinmarketcap.com. So it'll tell you in the top left corner, right when you go to it, how many currencies there are or how many trading pairs. Yeah. Uh, So it'll say around like 1,700. Keep in mind, there are more than that. That's just the ones that are bought and sold. So coins that were made and not ever put into circulation, those don't count on coinmarketcap. But... CoinMarketCap does a lot of things. Um, They tell you the price, they tell you the, you know, uh, the market cap, they rank them based on market cap. So you'll see always Bitcoin number one and then Ethereum, Litecoin, blah, blah, blah. But if you click on the individual currencies, it'll show you the website. It'll show you their social networks. It'll show you um, their blogs. It'll show you their price uh, charts for their, you know, since the beginning of their time and I love CoinMarketCap because I always tell people before you invest, go to CoinMarketCap, look up what you're looking to invest in and you can actually see everything about it. You can learn about the team. You can learn about the utility. You can learn, um, you know, I was talking outside this radio show. What are the three things you want to look for when you invest in a cryptocurrency? And that is the team. Make sure that they are not scammers. Make sure they haven't been involved in scams. Um, Any cryptocurrency that is worth investing in will tell you who works on it, right? Who the team is. If you, if you can't find the team, don't invest in it, is my advice, right? Yeah. Because um, that's really important. Two is utility. Um, what does it do, right? So we know what Bitcoin does. It's a store of value. Um, we were talking about blockchains using, you know, for land deeds. So you yeah. have like uh, Ubiquity. We know what, you know, that does. Okay, so it's a currency that basically Yeah, so what about
1: Ripple? Which, by the way, the symbol for that one, XRP. XRP. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. So Ripple, like what does that one do? That's another more Ripple popular is, um, one out there.
0: Ripple is one of the most I want to call it popular, but for good and bad reasons. Um, A lot of people, uh, just like how you can hear that Bitcoin is a scam and then for years you're going to think Bitcoin's a scam until you do your own research. A lot of people think Ripple is um, not a scam, but it is dirty. And there's a lot of, you know, reasons for that over the past. Ripple's one of the the older cryptocurrencies. Uh, I would say it's almost five, if not six years old. For the first couple years, they didn't really have a wallet or a wallet that was intuitive. So you really had to be and you know, like encrypt, a computer math nerd. Yeah, to really even hold it securely, um, they started with I think it's like a hundred trillion tokens. Uh, you can go to CoinMarketCap.com and verify that data because I might be off. But there's a yeah. lot of Ripple, a lot of Ripple. So Bitcoin, twenty-one million tokens or coins. Ripple, there's trillions. I want to say like a hundred trillion coins. Yeah. So the value, uh, what are they worth, like? 15, 20 cents right now, that makes sense because there are so many, but what really messed up Ripple's PR at the beginning was the company itself kept 97% of the tokens when they first launched, selling 3% to people. Now over the course of the last couple of years a few of those nice So that's kind of like is
1: that an initial coin offering is that what those are called
0: This was before ICO or initial coin offering the word or term even existed, existed. but yeah it was, yeah. It, was a, it was a coin sale right so yeah. you know anybody just like you could buy Litecoin you could buy Bitcoin um, Yeah so
1: like when you if you go buy stock in a company and you hear this initial public offering IPO. yeah for uh, equity trading On that, when you have that, you're not buying. They don't sell all of the stock in the company on that day. They're issuing some new shares that get added into the pool of stock shares they already have. In that Ripple case, they had created all the coins already, and they decided to publicly sell three percent of those. So, like if you think about this like a stock, um, that would mean that now there's a a float of three percent, and the other ninety-seven percent are effectively held by insiders, and those are not publicly traded. So you can buy and sell Ripple out of that public pool. That other ninety-seven percent are kind of sitting there in sort of treasury stock. Well, if you were to think about it, a corporation or privately held shares by insiders. It is.
0: It is now. And so, like last year, Ripple yeah. did a big move um, because for years people complained. They were like, "You could dump your ninety-seven percent on the market at any time and destroy the value. Why would we invest in this? If it's you know, if, if a company has the ability yeah. to do that, that's very dangerous. So, Ripple, if I remember last year, basically locked up a, a large percent. Not not all ninety-seven, but maybe like 40%, and so they, they have it in a smart contract, which is another thing with cryptocurrency, uh, but it releases to them on set dates over the next, like, 12 years or something like that. So they basically locked away tokens yeah. from Kind themselves. of
1: like so, uh, if you've heard of uh, equity vesting or stock vesting schedules before, you can do similar constructs with cryptocurrencies. But
0: the main reason people either like or don't like Ripple is because it is the it is known as the bank's coin, right? So yeah. Ripple was developed and is still developed. They have a big team of over a hundred plus people. It is actually one of the most developed, uh, or constantly on constantly developed on blockchains there is, but it is meant for banks. Um, so for the, you know, the, the libertarians, the people that are like, we need a global currency that's public. And that's not what Ripple is. Ripple is basically trying to make it to where we can put the dollar quote unquote onto a blockchain and, and yeah. kind of see that. So, um, I'm not a uh, for or in favor or against ripple in any way, uh, to be honest, I have a little ripple, not a lot, just a small little amount. I'm all about diversification, kind of a spray or prey mentality when it comes to cryptocurrency. Um, again, not investment advice, Yeah, but you know, just because Ripple is the bank's coin or, or it's interpreted that way by a majority of people does not necessarily mean it's a bad, it doesn't mean it's a bad investment. Um, it just means that's what it was built for. So, yeah. you're, you know, it's good. I, I think that's a lot of people hate it because that's what it was built for. I'm, I'm like, I'm much more like, well, let's see how it grows over the next five, ten years. You know, let's yeah. give it a chance.
1: So what about uh, Ethereum? So some people may have heard about this one as well. And there's some smart contract you just mentioned. Yeah, so there's, so there was kind of a, a pretty famous public one where like the smart contract got hacked and like the $50 million worth of or $80 million worth of stuff got stolen. Crazy history. Um, yeah, one of the very first cryptocurrencies
0: that was made. So what is, uh, what is Ethereum? Ethereum is a platform that allows other people to create to- other tokens. So you can now, instead of having to make your own blockchain, you can use an existing one called Ethereum to create a token, issue as many or as you know as many or as few tokens as you want, and then you know use it for a platform or sell them or what have you. But a smart contract, and I'm going to explain this the best way I can because this is how it was um, it was explained to me like three or five, seventeen times, and I didn't get it at first. Um, I'm going to give them a big push right now. There is a coin called First Blood, or it's a token, an Ethereum token. It was built yeah. on Ethereum, and First Blood, uh, which is. OneST, if you're trying to look up the trading, uh, basically wanted to create a smart contract platform for uh, video gamers. So you have like uh, these, you know, games like Dota 2 and Counter Strike and you know o- Overwatch. And now they have these giant million-dollar pools at the end of the year. Uh, they call them Invitational's, which is where the top teams go to battle it out. Uh, you know, for the final. First place second place third place first place now for like just dota 2 in general will make millions of dollars so this is millions of dollars split between five people um and what used to be we we now call contracts dumb contracts and we call smart contracts that run on ethereum smart contracts right um so what happened was there was an individual one of the five team members basically this dumb contract had something wrong in it and he didn't get his you know his share of that million dollars it was a court battle took months So this is kind of why First Blood was born. So all they did, what they said, they said, let's do what they already do. Let's just make it on a smart contract platform. So now, to keep it simple and straight, this is how I learned about smart contracts. Let's say you're playing Counter-Strike, which is a first person shooter, and I wanna play against you. So now we're actually gonna set a smart contract on the First Blood platform before we play. We can do anything we want. We could say first person to three headshots, uh, wins the pool. And then you would put in $5 worth of first blood. I'd put in $5 worth of first blood. We would close that smart contract and we would play our game. And we would play and, you know, I kill you 18 times, but I finally get that third headshot on you or you get the third headshot on me. And whoever gets that third headshot first, immediately that smart contract will execute because the parameters have already been set in place. And so you would get the, the $10 worth of first blood. That's it. That's That's the whole platform of first blood is to help you know, individuals, uh, you know, invest in a game at that, you know, in that specific thing. So when you have the the invitationals and, you know, there's millions of dollars at stake again, it can all just be you know millions so of dollars worth of first blood. And once the moment that game ends, it's already in the wallets of the players. So you don't have to worry about the the contracts and the lawyers and all that other stuff. Or
1: like the world series of poker. I don't have to worry about the giant pile of money actually physically on the table in front of me and like armed guards and armored cars and all the rest of that, getting it back to a bank.
0: Yeah. And so, so that's in, in in the best way to describe the basic thing of a smart contract is inputting things, uh, you know, setting a parameter and it can execute. So smart contracts can be used for everything. Now they can be used for real estate deals. They can be used for, Um, you know, creating simple transactions. Um, and this is why you now see, I think there's over 500, we talked about 1700 cryptocurrencies, 500 of those are tokens built on Ethereum's blockchain. So they're all using Ethereum. Uh, we talked a little bit about speed of Bitcoin's blockchain, 10 minutes, right? Yeah. So Ethereum has a 13 second. Uh, per per transaction or per block blockchain, if I remember correctly, and that's a lot faster than Bitcoin. But there are faster. There's ones that are you know one second. But Ethereum chooses to do it that way um, because of the you know the infrastructure and the way that it's built. But very interesting enough is Ethereum, and I want to say this because Ethereum is what everybody hears when they hear smart contracts. But now you have these these secondary ones that are coming out. So you know you talked about the hack, the, DA, yeah. the DAO. That was one of my very first investments. And about a week after the ICO concluded, uh, it got hacked and most of them were stolen. And that's actually how Ethereum Classic was created, which is a different currency than Ethereum. So basically, we talked about immortalizing blockchains, right, in the first the first 25 minutes. What happened was you had all these people that got basically, you know, their money lost. So what Ethereum, the, the company, the platform had to decide is, do we allow this to happen or do we roll back to a previous block and restart? And so that's called forking. And you'll hear forking in Bitcoin as well because there have been at least a dozen Bitcoin forks. So, you know, Bitcoin cash came from a Bitcoin fork. Well, Ethereum Classic came from an Ethereum fork because the DAO got hacked. And, and you that's had D-A-O,
1: D-A-O, not D-O-W. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so the DAO, D-A-O. Got yeah
0: and you had uh the ethereum party split into two all of a sudden 50 percent of them not 50 percent, but let's just say you know Big half, chunk of them, yeah. half of them wanted to roll back to a previous block before the hack happened so that it wouldn't happen yeah. and then you had the other half that was like no let's just keep going you got to immortalize this data you can't break the, the yeah, cipher yeah you know? <laughs>
1: the, yeah and the way that this thing got it basically that smart contract my understanding is that a developer found a bug in it that allowed them to follow the contract but to funnel all of the the tokens off into their own separate account and they funneled them all off following the rules of the smart contract and the rules of everything so they it wasn't like where they it wasn't illegal <laughs> yeah yeah they didn't hack into something and and change data they didn't tamper with or break the the rules of the system they followed the rules of the system and were able to to move the money into a spot where it was only accessible by them
0: yeah, so, so that's how um, Ethereum Classic was created, which is another smart contract platform that you can build on, that you can create tokens for. And not for nothing, but there's also uh, Waves and Stratus and EOS and um, NEO and probably about 10 others that are yeah. all smart contract platforms that all run on a blockchain that you can create tokens on. So... Ethereum is definitely the second largest cryptocurrency in the world, second only to Bitcoin, but you're starting to see companies like EOS really start to surge up. People are starting to build on EOS instead of Ethereum. EOS is number five on coin market cap if you look it up. So anyway, the point is, all I'm trying to make is that there's choices. So if you are somebody that wants to create something in this space, you don't necessarily have to use Ethereum. Uh, There are cheaper alternatives. Um, You know, another one is Expanse. Expanse basically does the same thing as Ethereum. It just does it, uh, it's 50 seconds per block. So it's a slower blockchain, but it's a cheaper blockchain. And then not to confuse people even further, but you don't have to just use one. You know, you have some companies that are going to use two blockchains because sometimes it needs to be fast. Sometimes it can be slow. Um, private blockchains, maybe you don't have to be fast because yeah. it's a private one and only the company's going to be using it. Yeah, if you, get, you sacrifice speed for you know actual uh, savings.
1: Yeah, if you get out and then you start to map a lot of these um, constructs to things that are in the securities markets out there for trading stocks, um, you you see stuff like the NYSE or the Nasdaq, and those are public exchanges where. The trades are publicly recorded on a publicly available ledger of like, here's who bought and sold from what. And then there's these things called dark pools where you have a private trading platform where I may exchange shares with somebody else. And then eventually that pool may record something out at the NYSE or the NASDAQ or some sort of public exchange to um, pull more shares into the pool or liquidate shares out of a pool. And it's not really clear who inside the pool was trading. So there's all of these things, if you if you're familiar with securities trading and foreign exchange trading and all the rest of that, almost all of those constructs are available in the blockchain and cryptocurrency world. Uh, I mean, you think of, of smart contracts. There's all sorts of different hedging contracts, um, dividends. And, I mean, we yeah, even have derivatives, derivatives trading and, yeah, now. Yeah, um, um, all all of that stuff is. There's some experimentation with all of that going on. Uh, based on a blockchain and a and technology built on top systems built on top of blockchain technology um, instead of via paper contracts and other things and um, all of this stuff is new most of it is untested in court uh, so as you start to think through some of these different things you're like if I were to use my Visa or Mastercard to buy something from a merchant and it turns out they send me a box of rocks instead of whatever I bought there's a whole well legally documented and thought through dispute process of how that works. If you order something from somebody across the internet and you pay them in Bitcoin and you transfer them Bitcoin and they ship you a box of rocks, um, the path to go track that back down is going to be much more difficult.
0: Well, it's it's not, it's not that it's going to be difficult. It's just impossible to get your money back. So um, it's one of the things that we actually talk about when for businesses, uh, Bitcoin specifically and many others, are um, chargebacks are something that are very, very common in regular buying and selling. Uh, you know, a person can buy something off of Amazon and then decide three months later that they don't want it. And most of the time, Amazon will back the buyer um, and charge back the seller their money. So the seller will get their item back and the seller will get their, you know, will, the buyer will get their money back. In Bitcoin, there are no chargebacks. So if you send Bitcoin to the wrong person, if you send Bitcoin to a nefarious person, if you send Bitcoin to a merchant that, you know, sells you a box of rocks, uh, regardless of whatever situation you're in, unless that individual that you sent the Bitcoin wants to send it back to you, there is no way to get it back. So yeah, there's no chargebacks. And,
1: and it, it'll be tricky to get a court to order to get them to give you the Bitcoin back. Yeah, because um,
0: most of the people that are doing it nefariously um, again look up who you're buying from you know (laughs) like yeah it's very 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 dangerous um to send bitcoin to people that you cannot verify so you know overstock.com accepts cryptocurrency right and so you can buy anything on overstock.com with bitcoin and that is a, a centralized institution that you know will give you your items so it's not all bad it's it's getting a lot better um you know, we talked about the the dark web and, you know, the, the drug warehouses where you, know, you can and it's so funny because that actually worked very, very, very well because it was based on reviews. So even if you were selling drugs, which was illegal and all these things are getting shut down one by one by one. Uh, but it's very much, you know, as soon as one gets shut down, a new one pops up and that will probably continue for all time but it's based on reviews. So, you know, you might have a merchant that sold one thing. Don't, don't, don't buy from him. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not just talking about in the dark, web. I'm talking about in general, yeah, I mean, um, it's like eBay.
1: You, you go on there and if that seller's got 6,400 positive reviews and a 99.9% positive review rate, chances are whatever you bought for them, you're going to get. If the person has three reviews and one of them is negative, um, Buyer beware. Even
0: more important, you know, like, let's, let's talk about buying Bitcoin, right? The most yeah. simple way to get involved, right? Um, the majority of Americans, I, rep, I recommend either using Coinbase.com or BRD.com because those are two places where all you have to do is link a bank account or a credit card to yeah. that service. And then you can buy and, well, on Coinbase, you can buy and sell. and BRD, you can only buy right now. But then you also have things like, um, oh, what is it called? LocalBitcoins.com. And this is where it gets really interesting because LocalBitcoins.com is basically people like me or you that have a lot of Bitcoin that just want to sell person to person. And that uses a review process. So if you don't have a bank account or a credit card, you're probably not going to use Coinbase or BRD. But you can still buy Bitcoin with cash or a money order uh, through through LocalBitcoins.com. But you'll see people that have done 5,000 transactions and people that have done 10. Well, don't buy your Bitcoin from somebody who's done 10 transactions. Sorry for the 10. You're probably a good guy anyway. But there's, you know, that's where reviews are really. important.
1: So I've also feel like I've seen a Bitcoin ATM machine. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I got one in my house. <laughs> we, yeah, so
0: we used to have one in Geekdom upstairs, actually.
1: Yeah, so I feel like you could put dollar bills in it, and then it would print out a paper like a blockchain, paper wallet, a paper wallet with that, a QR code that yeah.
0: allow you to put it onto your wallet.
1: Yeah, so like it, it, you could feed dollars into it, and off of some set exchange rate mm-hmm. for dollars to. Bitcoin it would print out a QR code and it would it has some wallet inside of it I guess that it sends those bitcoins out of to you. It's even better now That's how it used to be now
0: when you walk up to a Bitcoin ATM and here in San Antonio I think we have like seven of them right now. Is um, there a
1: website to find those?
0: Yes coin Is it eight? Uh, btmradar.com or radar.com, but it's it's we call them BTMs or Bitcoin telling machines um, cool so when for instance, when you go to a Bitcoin ATM, I wanna be very specific. It is easy, it's fast, it's quick. Um, all it does is you basically put in like a hundred dollars and it'll give you well, this is the one thing I wanna say about a Bitcoin ATM. Coinbase charges two point seven five percent when you link a bank account and buy Bitcoin. So basically you're paying two point seven five. percent are paying over, the credit card over spot transaction money, right? fee. Yeah. BRD charges one percent plus fifty cents. Bitcoin uh, a coin a uh, coin merchant or um, local bitcoins.com you will see between 5% and 20% uh, because again it's an individual selling his Bitcoin so he can yeah. charge anything he wants Bitcoin ATMs you'll see anywhere between on average 7.9% in San Antonio very specifically to 10% okay. now this isn't good right but again this That's is a pretty heavy transaction it's fee. not yeah it's not a good transaction fee paying 7.9 to 10% over spot value is is not good but If you don't have a bank account and you don't have a credit card and you can't use, you know, Coinbase or B R D, then this is actually one of the most viable options. But just know that yeah, when you go there and you see it and you're like seven point nine percent, it's because of the service. It's it's because they are they're basically paying for that ATM to be there. Um, I've got a, oh, and if anybody's listening to this and they want a Bitcoin ATM, I know a guy that's very, very willing to basically put Bitcoin ATMs anywhere in the city of San Antonio right now. There you Uh, go. Yeah. So contact me. So if you're listening and you want (laughs) to
1: add another one, yeah, reach out to CyberTalk Radio and we can uh, get you a Bitcoin ATM. at your, uh, location yeah
0: yeah and you'll you'll profit from that and um you know we can even help you accept cryptocurrency if you want to but yeah so buying bitcoin most importantly um let's go in because i know we only have five minutes left let's talk about storage really really quick because you can invest and go to an exchange and buy your Bitcoin and hold it for five years. And Bitcoin goes up to a hundred thousand dollars and hooray, you've made a lot of money, but there's two things that I really want to discuss real quick. And that is how you store your money. And in the first section, we talked about the different types of wallets, hot wallet, cold wallet, hardware wallet, all of them are fine. But the most important thing, we go back to basically the difference between holding your, your private key and not holding your private key. So Coinbase, your private key uh, BRD and Exodus and all these other wallets don't but they will give you your private key so when you have your private key it can be a series of 0 X da, da 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 or it can be a 12 word passphrase it can be a 20 word passphrase it can be a 24 word passphrase just depending on the wallet it is so important that you write that down on a piece of paper and not take a screenshot of it and not take pictures of it because your phones photos are the easiest thing in the world to get access to so writing it on a piece of paper and putting it in a safety deposit box or putting it in a a fireproof safe in your house or putting in a moisture proof safe in your backyard, right? Any of these things are absolutely, absolutely uh, important because if you buy a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin today and make a lot of money off of it and lose your phone a year from now, you know, the only way to recover that is to have that private key. So planet uh, money
1: did a fun uh, story of, to somebody trying to track a hard disk down that he used to have the information on. So you can listen to that if you go online and the planet money, Bitcoin hard drive, and that's a fun one to listen to.
0: So if you're, if you're going to be in the space, make sure the number one thing you do is back up your wallet and all wallets will do this automatically for you. When you first download a wallet, it'll, it'll ask you to write down those 12 words or those 20 words. And I, I, I ask you, please do that and put it somewhere safe and don't forget about it. Um, because we all change phones, you know, and we don't think about all the apps that in our phones when we give that phone away. Um, And lastly, it's about um, legal. And I know we only have like a minute left, but it's also the third thing I was talking about when you make an investment in this space. um, You know, the team, the utility, and the legal. Because the SEC and the regulatory authorities all around the world are really looking hard at this space right now. And almost everything is audited. And that's a good thing because they need to be audited. Um, But you'll find a lot of cryptocurrency companies are not doing their legal framework and most likely will be banhammered and will be shut down immediately. And if you think it's a great idea and the team's good, but you didn't look at the legal of it, then you're going to have a really bad time.
1: Thank you very much for uh, helping educate our audience, uh, Alex. And I look forward to interacting with you more and helping and seeing you succeed in uh, making San Antonio a place where people can safely learn about all of this stuff. Jared, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor.